Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ <laughs> commands. That's Christus Vinci, Christus Reina, Christus Imperat. We pull no punches here on the Terry and Jesse Show. This is where we proclaim Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the Blessed Virgin Mary as our Queen Mother. Terry, I'm on duty. I'm on duty, brother. And you know what? Thank you, Jesus, for another day here on planet Earth to serve him and his church and to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what gets Jess and myself excited every single day. And through Virgin Most Powerful Radio and our listeners and our benefactors give us that opportunity. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, today, I'm not going to say Pope Benedict is a saint, okay? I'm just going to say that there's a movement in the church. We're going to talk about how they hate this man inside the church. They want to get rid of him, so they're going to throw as much mud at him as possible. Now, this is not to say that he is perfect. He's a fallen man. He's made mistakes. He admits things like that. But I think it's important to understand where the church is going in so that we can offer our prayers potentially to help those wicked people, and I call them wicked, Jesse, inside the church who are trying to destroy the church from the inside. And that's who we're going to be talking about. You know what? It is what it is. It's hard to have to say it, but this is what we're up against, bro. No, it's true. They, we, with the chicken coop has been invaded. Yeah. Or as I say, the chickens have come home oh, to roost. Oh, the chickens have come home to roost. You got it, partner. But, you know, one thing, Jesse, that you do well, and I think it's great. I want to also remind everybody, Crisis Magazine just did an article with Jesse Romero about what took place in Arizona with the Satanists. And Jesse's starting to write more and more, so you'll see him in other periodicals, which I think is really a great thing because he has a lot of good things to say, not only on the air, but on paper. So just keep it up. But before we get into these topics, Jess, let's get some soul food going. Uh, let's, are we going to continue on the book of James, bro? Oh, come on. Uh, it's the book. Exactly. Uh, are you kidding me? I know. Let's do it, dude. Yes. Okay. Today's first reading at, at the Holy Sacrifice mm -hmm. of Mass, James chapter 2, verse 1 and 9. My brothers and sisters, uh, show no partiality as you adhere to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, the way the, the Adam is put first and Eve, brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. For if a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, by the way, that's the Greek word for church there, and a poor person with shabby clothes also comes in, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say, Sit here, please, while you say to the poor one, Stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil designs? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Notice once again the patriarch first and then the, and then the wife. Did not, God, did not God choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Are not the rich oppressing you? And do they blaspheme? Uh, uh, yeah, no. And do they themselves not haul you off to court? Is it not they who blaspheme the noble name that was invoked over you? However, you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the book of Acts chapter 10, it shows, it shows the way God uh, looks at people versus the way we look at people. Here, the St. James is, is talking about, don't have two classes of people here in Christianity. 
the rich get treated one way, the poor get treated another way. No. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, St. Peter writes that God shows no partiality towards men. And so if God doesn't show partiality, we shouldn't either, based on earthly accomplishments, like, wow, that guy's got a Super Bowl ring, that guy's got a lot of money, that guy's highly educated. Uh, God doesn't look at none of those things, Terry. He looks at the person's soul. Are they in a state of grace or are they not in a state of grace? Secondly, one of the ways that before Vatican II, for many decades, is people showed uh, the the Catholic Church showed this equality amongst everybody, regardless of uh, regardless of how they uh, how much money they had or not. Venerable Fulton Sheen, he actually wrote that the altar rail is the ultimate form of democracy and equality. Everybody is equal at the altar rail. In other words, you can be a billionaire Catholic next to a homeless Catholic in a state of grace. Both of you are on your knees with your hands together like a child, sticking your tongue out like you're being fed by a father, and you're all equal at the altar. And so for it's remember it's important for us to remember that Though you may look at some people based on their accomplishments, we take nothing with us. And the poor person next to the rich person, he may actually have more sanctifying grace and a greater level of holiness than the rich Catholic down the street. Because again, God is no respecter of men, the Bible says. God shows no partiality towards men. What God looks at the moment of our death is the state of your soul, not your state of your bank account. Jesse, I'm going to stick my neck out right now, bro. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but here's what I want to do. I want to read the gospel also today. Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you why, brother. I want to read it because this is a gospel for the Holy Father, for all popes, Mm -hmm. okay? And see if you get my connection and then go ahead and rebuke me, brother. But I don't. You know it then. All right, let me read it, Jess. Yeah. Jesus said, this is God, the gospel of Mark, chapter 8, 27 to 33. Jesus and his disciples set out for the village of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist. Others said Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter, as the Pope. Peter said to him in reply, you are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He sure got that one right. Now, second paragraph in the reading. He began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, be killed and raised after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Mm. At this, he turned around and looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Now, Jesse, in all the gospel, Jesus has never said that in any of the gospels that I'm aware of, okay? Even when he rebuked people selling, you know, with the money changers and all that, he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, why would he say that to Peter? Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong. Here's where I'm going, bro. When the Pope acknowledges that Jesus Christ, in the earlier paragraph, that he says, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, yes, that's what we want. Uh, you know, to the world, we want to proclaim that. But when we say, uh, and the Holy Father will say to, uh, Peter, says to our Lord, hey, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to have to, uh, you know, uh, do all these horrible things. Uh, you know, because the world says 
that we have to be, you know, nice and we have to, you know, invite everybody. But Jesus is not saying that. He turned around and looked at the disciples. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God, but as human beings do. So when the Pope thinks as human beings, Jesse, for example, global warming. Yes. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Jesse. That's yeah. where I'm going, bro. 100%. Okay, so I'm on to something. And, and, and a bishop, Terry, the same thing with a bishop. Yeah. When they think worldly and not in the supernatural. That's where I'm going. And, when they're, and then when they're talking about, you know, socialism yeah. and LGBT flags in the sanctuary. Yep. Guess what? Get behind me, Satan. That's my point. That's what Jesus would say to a bishop. Yep. When the, you know, they're promoting, uh, yeah, we got to get vaccinations in the parish hall after mass. Our worldly views on homosexuality, same-sex marriage, all that. Yeah. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> all right, I had to say it, Jess. It was just <laughs> boiling up in me. Go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. I did just, I did, you didn't. No, Jesse, honestly, tell it on the air. Did I tell you what I was going to do today? No, but I knew it. Once he said it, we have to read the gospel, I said, <laughs> I know what, I know. And I, you're 100% exegetically, hermeneutically correct, Terry. Uh, it's That's, not easy to say, but I had to say it. No, it isn't. Terry, and also, another thing that I, I would say is that the, the elders, the Jewish elders in that passage, mm -hmm. the scribes and the Pharisees. Yeah. They had spiritual authority. We, Jesus says that they had spiritual right. authority. But you know what they were involved in, Terry? Tell me. They were involved in clericalism. Like now. Yes. They were ordering the Jewish people to do things above and beyond their spiritual authority. Pay these taxes to the Romans. Do this. Do that. In order to appease the Roman overlords. So the Jewish uh, you know, the Jewish priests, the scribes and the Pharisees, they practice clericalism against the rank and file Israelite because they wanted to curry favor with the Roman Empire. Terry, it's kind of like today. We have uh, many people in, in the USCCB yep. that are pushing Biden's World Back thing. Better yep. agenda exactly. on Catholics yep. in our parishes. Yep. That's called clericalism, Terry. Well, I'll say it when again. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Jesse, I mean that because that's the world, the devil and the flesh. They're all in it together. And we need to pray for our leaders that they will go back to what they said in the scripture. Terry, I, I love when you have a meltdown. Well, I did have that because, Jesse, I read that this morning at Mass, and that's what came to my mind. I said, I'm, I'm going to say it. I prayed about it. But, you know, that's why we need to be praying. Every Thursday night, we pray for the Pope, the bishops, priests, on our knees for two hours. Why? Because of this. They need our prayers. They need to have clarity. They need to be able to go... And, and the price of those prayers are going to be like money in the bank for them to see the light of Christ. Because right now, many of our leaders are seeing the light of the world. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Terry. Spot on. By the way, the month of uh, February is the month of the Holy Family. Yep. Uh, th that special devotion started in the 17th century. Finish off your prayers, especially this month. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Save souls. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I always like to say we're too blessed to be stressed. Too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to lead you to. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. We're not right versus left. We're right versus wrong. Amen. Terry, I've heard many good homilies from many very holy priests that yes. talked about that uh, that 
incidents where our Lord Jesus Christ gives Peter the keys. Right. And then right after that, he says, get behind me, Satan. So this is the way it's explained theologically yeah. by, by many holy priests that I trust. Um, absolutely, Jesus Christ did, did start the papacy, did give him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And it's been around since 33 AD. It'll be around here until the end of time, until the second coming of Christ. Amen. But that demonstrates that even a pope can have human frailties, of course. has concupiscence, can sin. Because right after Peter's given the keys, he denies Jesus Christ's plan for salvation history. Jesus Christ's mission uh, to come to the world and die for our sins and so to redeem the world from Satan. And so uh, this because he's he's thinking like a worldling. He's thinking about kind of a political solution. Right. And Jesus is giving heaven solution that the son of man has to die for the sins of the world. Uh, one innocent has to die for everybody else. And because Peter's not thinking like that, that's why he received a sharp, a sharp rebuke from our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's thinking like a man. When you think like a like the world, yeah. that's satanic. That's Luciferian. That's why he says, "Get behind me, Satan." He's not saying that he's literally Satan no, or any or any pope of Satan. He's saying that you're thinking like a worldling, and who governs the world according to First John five nineteen? Satan. Well said. Good point, Jess. Let's Pretty get in, Let's get into this article now with Pope, Pope Benedict. Go ahead, Jess. Hit Archbishop it. George Guanswing. I think that's that's how you say Guanswing. Yeah, Guanswing. He's claimed that there's a movement that is not only out to destroy Pope Benedict's XVI's life and work, but also views the recent accusations of mishandling abuse as an opportunity to erase him from the official memory of the church. We call that the cancel culture. And it looks like that's exactly what they're trying to do to him. Mm -hmm. So, in February 9th, comments to the Italian Corriera della Sera, the Pope Emeritus' personal secretary, uh, Archbishop Guanswin, said that he believed the movement exists that really wants to destroy the person and the work of Pope Benedict XVI, because as you know, Terry, yes. he's been writing for 40 or 50 years, so right. we, have, we have a trail of, of a lot of Orthodox literature that he's written, and they, they want to get rid of that. Right. In order to get rid of that, they have to cancel his reputation. So, Guanswin said... Uh, Archbishop George Guanson, uh, he says, uh, it has never loved him as an individual, his theology or his pontificate, close quote. He's talking about Archbishop Guanson, his secretary, is talking about the Germans. Oh, yeah. Uh, the German theologians, the St. Gallen Mafia. Exactly. All those they're, guys. Yeah, they're trying to destroy his written legacy because he's not much of a speaker. He's not much of a preacher. He's a writer. And Jesse, just to point your, give your support for your point, anybody goes on to YouTube and types in Pope Benedict XVI's visits to Germany, you'll see that all these bishops are waiting outside the airplane when the Pope gets off. They turn their back on Pope Benedict. I mean, it's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen of disrespect for the vigor of Christ. I wouldn't do that to any Pope, even if it's, yeah, any Pope that's, a, a, let's just say, a heterodox Pope. You know, I wouldn't turn my back. I respect his, he's the vigor of Christ. But these German uh, bishops obviously don't respect him and they're going to do everything they can to undermine him. Yep. Archbishop Gunswein added that members of this movement see recent attacks against uh, Pope Benedict XVI as an ideal opportunity for a reckoning. 
like a quest for a condemnation of memory so a person is excluded from official accounts. Exactly. We call that the cancel culture. Yep. The German archbishop secretary to the, the previous pope was speaking shortly after Benedict released a letter to the faithful on Tuesday in which the 94-year-old pope emeritus expressed his profound shame and deep sorrow and issued a heartfelt request for forgiveness for the abuses and the errors that occurred when he served in Germany and Rome. He says, uh, Pope Benedict writes, each individual case of sexual abuse is appalling and irreparable. The victims of sexual abuse have my deepest sympathy, and I feel great sorrow for each individual case, close quote. But Benedict denied personally mishandling abuse cases, each detailed in an appendix to the letter compiled by four lawyers attack or excuse me, acting on Benedict XVI's behalf. So the three canonists and one attorney said all four charges made against him in a newly published report on sexual abuse in the Archdiocese of Munich, Germany, and Freising, Germany, were false. Yep. Pope Benedict had been accused of mishandling these cases of sexual abuse when he was Archbishop of Munich in Freising from 1977 to 1982, but the lawyers insisted that the, then, that the then Archbishop Joseph Ratzinger was unaware at the time uh, that of any priests involved had records of sexual abuse. They also described how, in an 82-page memoir, they had submitted on behalf of Benedict's behalf to Munich investigators for their report, the former pontiff had mistakenly stated he did not take part in a meeting in 1980 to discuss the transfer of a priest to the diocese for therapy. Let me jump in, Jesse. Think about 1980 in your life. You're younger than Pope. I can't remember Thank what you. I had for breakfast Thank last you. night, oh, yesterday. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. That's crazy. Yep. So the, uh, the lawyers corrected the record at the, end of, uh, at the end of January, stating that the then Archbishop Ratzinger did take part in the meeting, but a mistake was made by one of Benedict's lawyers in transferring files. The collaborators missed the erroneous entry, and Benedict XVI, under time pressure in which he had to verify his memory in a few days, also failed to notice the mistake. Yeah, that probably would happen if you're not anyone, Jesse. Yeah, Come on. even yeah. So Pope Benedict's enemies, nevertheless, used the error yep. to launch attacks on the Pope Emeritus with theologians and others accusing him of lying and perjury. Can I can I just jump in and say? Yep. This is the same thing with Cardinal Marx, who was accused of similar things uh, in his, you know, uh, being the archbishop of that di- of a diocese in Germany. And when he uh, took went to Pope Bennett, Pope Francis and said, "I want to resign over this. Uh, would you accept my resignation?" Pope Francis said, "No." So now this is the same group of guys. Now it's Bratzinger, but different approach. Go ahead, Jess. Yep. Uh, so, in an interview with Corriere de la Sera, Archbishop Ganswein said that anyone who knows Benedict knows that the accusation of having lied is absurd and added that a distinction must be made between making a mistake exactly. and lying. Well said. That's critically important. Oh, gosh. That's everything in the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ganswein referred to comments made in L'Osservatore Romano uh, by Cardinal Filoni, who wrote of Benedict's profound and very high moral and intellectual honesty and explained, I have never found in him any shadow or attempt to hide or minimize anything. 
Archbishop Ganswine said Benedict XVI had read that article, which was not solicited or asked for, but that's, that's the way it is. Those who have been close to him now, they well know what Joseph Ratzinger, Benedict XVI, said and did regarding the whole question of pedophilia. He was the first to act as a cardinal, and then he continued the line of transparency as pope. Archbishop Ganswine, his secretary, continued saying, Already during the pontificate of John Paul II, he changed the current mentality and set the line that Pope Francis is continuing. Benedict's long-serving, long-serving personal secretary said that, unfortunately, quote, many are deceived by this vile attack. There's so much muscling and it's a sad situation, close quote. However, Ganswine said that although Benedict remains physically very weak, as is natural at his age, his physical weakness takes nothing away from his spiritual and intellectual presence, close quote. So the attacks on Benedict XVI came around the time of an important plenary meeting of Germany's synodal path. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, timing's everything. Which voted over the weekend to call for same-sex blessings, changes to the catechism on homosexuality. Who the heck are they? The ordination of women priests yep, yep, yep. Uh, and priestly celibacy to be optional in the Latin church and for lay involvement in the election of new bishops. My commentary is this. These are the infiltra evil That's right. infiltrators evil. that yeah. compelled Pope Benedict XVI to say once he became Pope, he said, quote, Pray for me that I may not flee for fear of the wolves. Let us pray for one another that the Lord will carry us and that we will learn to carry one another. These are the evil wolves, Terry. They're out and, of the closet and they're going after him. And Jesse, we remember, this was Dr. Ed Benton from the National Catholic Register, a good man who did that report. You remember back in 1969, we read this article about a radio interview with Benedict XVI. He was the archbishop at the time. And he said something that was prophetic. He said the church is going to become very small because of what's going on, the corruption, all the stuff that was happening. And he said once it, once it crumbles and all the buildings are taken away and we're, we're, we're small and the world is you know, looking, ah, the Catholic Church is down, that's when we're going to blossom. It's going to be like a seed. It's, it, was, it was thrown in the ground and it's going to plant. And then the world is going to be so devastated by worldliness that when it sees holy people in the church, that, that small group of Catholics that are coming up after the fall— that there was going to be an incredible conversion of the world to Christ. And I, I happen to believe that. But in 1969, Jesse, uh, you know, I'm not so sure people would believe that interview. They say, what has he been drinking? Because he made some prophetic things that are coming to you right now. Look at all the churches closing right now. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of churches. Look at Chicago closed 88 in the last four years under Cardinal Supich. The, uh, the, the, it's happening. What Benedict XVI said as the archbishop is actually taking place. And I want to share in that fourth segment, when you're gone, Jesse, because he's got to do an interview with Dr. Taylor Marshall, uh, I want to bring up the fact that how do we survive these, this, involved, this movement inside the church that we call old school, new school? The new school uh, people in the church want to be one with the world. The old school is the church of Christ, which comes down to the perennial teachings, the, per, the deposit of faith. But there are people, like you just described, that last paragraph said it all. The last paragraph says everything you need to know. The attacks on Benedict came around the time of an important plenary meeting of the German Senate Path, which voted over the weekend, listen to this, for the call for same-sex blessings, changes to the catechism on homosexuality. Sounds like Father Martin. 
Uh, the ordination of women and priests, priestly celibacy to be optional in the church for lay of movement in the election of new bishops. Jesse, this happened to me in 1985. And when we come back from the break, I'll tell a story of a bishop saying exactly what this is saying and said this would happen in the year 2000. And when I tell you what happened to him, you're going to say, oh, a sad case. But this is what's taking place even today. Jess? Terry, uh, look, that's not to say Go ahead. That, that Pope Benedict XVI no. and that Pope John Paul II didn't have some blind spots of course not. during the pontificate. Of course not. They, they're not omniscient. They don't have seven. They don't have seven eyes. They so, can't see everything that's happening. And they're human. Yes, they're gonna miss it. Benedict Pope John Paul II was running around the whole world for thirty years as a twenty-seven years of his pontificate. Yeah. All right. When we come we'll back, back. More. Stay with us here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I told Jess this. Uh, he knows this story, but I'm going to share it with you. For 50, 60 years, we've been dealing with dissenters in the church. Bishops, priests have been dissenting. And in 1985, if you can believe this, I was at a talk by, Arch by a Bishop Arzubi, who was the auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles. And we were young. I was 25 years old. I'm sitting there, and he's telling us young people, hey, the church is going to really open up to the world. We're going to have women's ordination by the year 2000. Fifteen years from now, trust me, everybody, you can be ordained. Hey, by the way, homosexuality will be approved. Women priests, all this stuff we're going to have because the church is you know, getting with the world. So I'm like, man, I don't think so. So... At the end of the talk, now I'm recording this because I recorded everything for 40-some years. And I raised my hand. He said, yeah, go ahead. I said, uh, Bishop Arzubi, would you make these same statements if John Paul II, the Pope, was sitting in our room? He says, of course not. And I said, I didn't think so. So, Jesse, I transcribed the recordings of that talk. I sent it to my good friend, Father Joseph Fessio. Remember, Benedict the 16th was the prefect for the Doctrine of the Faith in 1985 for three years at that time. Father Fessio knew him, sent the transcripts and the cassette tape to the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, and in really fast time, in six months, I get a call on the phone. It says, this is Juan. What? Juan, Juan, who? I don't know any Juan. This is Juan Urzubi, the bishop. I said, oh, hi, Your Excellency. What can I do for you? He says, well, I've been... I've been told I have to apologize for what I said to you young people over at Sacred Heart in Covina. And I said, well, yeah, you should. He says, well, I have to. Uh, you know, you guys misunderstood me. Or, and I said, I didn't misunderstand you, Bishop. I heard what you said. It's not right what the church teaches. So he apologized. And Jess, are you ready for this? That man ended up dying of AIDS. He was removed as the bishop here in Los Angeles. You see, Jesse, why didn't John Paul II? at that time. Say, this guy's a dissenter? Fire him. Jess, you know me better enough. Better enough. Of all the years you've known me of St. Joseph Communications, if somebody's working here and they don't buy into our, our, our narrative of evangelization, you get rid of them. And living a clean life. Yeah, living a clean life. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. So that's what I'm asking bishops to do and popes to do. And they're not, they, in the last 50 years, it just hasn't happened. So let's continue with this Benedict story. 
Yes, uh, the LGBT lobby is behind the attacks on Benedict. Mm-hmm. Again, the attack on him comes with the Roman Ger- with Rome Germany axis at a time of maximum pressure to promote the LGBT agenda right. in the church. Also in view of the Synod, and in the background is the opposing opposition on the sexual abuse scandal. Benedict is not forgiven for having denounced the crisis of faith that lies at the root of moral corruption. And the paradox is that those who are trying to frame him on abuse are precisely those who favor and promote the LGBT agenda. And before you continue, Jesse, my little comment is that the Jesuit cardinal who's running this uh, 2023 Senate is a good friend of Pope Francis. He put him in charge. And this is the knucklehead, and I say it affectionately, a knucklehead. Yes, yes. He's the knucklehead who said that church needs to change the teachings on homosexuality, we need to ordain men who have are active homosexuals. And here's the challenge I have, that if, you know, the Pope is the boss. He could have fired him. Again, Jesse, they let these guys continue to put their poison into the veins of the church. That's right. And the timing of this new attack, it's not a coincidence. No, it isn't. It's at a time of maximum pressure to promote the LGBT agenda in the church Mm -hmm. with the Germany-Roman axis because in recent weeks we've seen the coming out of 125 German priests and church officials supported de facto by the German Synod, which has put down in black and white, among other things, its blessing of homosexual unions. If that's not the great apostasy in Germany, oh, we don't, I don't know what is. Well, that's the blessing of mortal sin, Jesse. Let's be quite frank. See, this is why we as lay people are saying, hey, wait a minute, time out. Let's get back to our fundamentals. This is, this is offensive. And again, this to me is making Satan laugh, okay? And it's hard to make him laugh. And he's seeing leaders in the church falling right into his plan. Go ahead, Jess. That's right. This was followed by the statements by Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollowitz. That's the man I'm talking about, Jesuit. President of the Commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union. Uh, And uh, there's two sensational outbursts Mm -hmm. that received no response or correction from Rome. And quite the contrary. It'll be recalled that in December, the Secretariat of the Synod had endorsed the documentation presented by the best-known U.S. Catholic LGBT group, New Ways Ministries, who's formerly been condemned by two popes. This is an organization that has since received the blessing of Pope Francis. Figure that one out, Jess. Despite the fact that in 2010, the American bishops had established that it could not be defined as a Catholic organization. At the beginning, at at the beginning of January, Pope Francis even wrote a significant letter of of commendation to the co-founder of New Ways Ministries, Sister Jean Gramic, who, by the way, was sidelined in the past. Oh, yeah. But, Jesse, see, truth doesn't change. She, the, the, let's just be honest about what New Ways Ministry is actually about. It's about active homosexuality as being legitimate. That's right. what the church condemned. And, unfortunately, Pope Francis wrote a letter that I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, Jesse. I don't want to be there at his exit interview because that letter is going to come up, I'm sure. Go ahead. Yep, the letter was written in 1999, uh, basically town sister Jean Granick, uh, that uh, she's banned from any pastoral activity. Yep. 
In addition to all this, a few days ago in Cologne, Germany, the trial began of a Polish priest. This is one of Oh, God bless this man. This guy's a martyr, Terry. Oh, big time. Father Darius Oko. Yeah, he's good. Who is also a professor at the Catholic University of Krakow, Poland. He's accused of inciting hatred for an article he wrote in the magazine Theologicis entitled, quote, on the need to resist the homosexual lobbies in the church, close quote. I'll sign off on that one. Put me in jail for that one. Yeah, Father Oko has been involved for many years in denouncing the homo heresy in the church and the lobby that supports it. God love And has recently published the book, quote, The Lavender Mafia, that that is the LGBT mafia. Yeah, that book, Jesse, from what I understand, the articles I've read on it, is taking a lot of the LGBT people off because of this priest. And again, he will be a dry martyr. Probably is, he'll be in jail for the rest of his life if this takes place uh, because of his outspokenness. And you know, Jesse... It's, kangaroo, it's a kangaroo court. It is a kangaroo. But you know what, Jesse? There's going to come a time, if we don't stand up now, that when we talk about... I'll give you an example. This is sad. And this gets off this... We'll get back to the article. But... Even in our own country, they won't let people come in. They're making a law right now, Republican and Democrat, signing off saying, if you don't buy into the LGBT program, then you shouldn't be able to come into our country. Now, I hope it doesn't get passed, but the very thought that they're going to give this litmus test that unless you're for homosexuality, you can't come into our country, that's not the country I know. Yes, uh, there's the homosexual priest, Father Wolfgang Roth. Yep. Uh, He's the one that's accusing Father Oko of... uh basically inciting hatred. Yeah, a German, I might add. Yeah, with, with his book and with his articles. Yep. If this is the current context, uh, obviously only a small sample of moral corruption in the church, mm-hmm. there's also an underlying issue concerning the sexual abuse scandal. It should be recalled that in February 2019, Pope Francis convened a summit of the presidents of the bishops' conferences from around the world in Rome on the issue of child abuse. And it was on the on that occasion when two completely different readings of the crisis emerged. Pope Francis wanted the summit to focus on the issue of clericalism as the cause of the pedophilia scandal. Wrong. But the following April, notes that Pope Benedict had previously made available as a contribution to the summit were released. Mm-hmm. Instead, Pope Benedict saw the scandal as a terrible crisis of faith. Exactly. A turning away from God, Amen. which in turn has caused the moral collapse now heavily influenced by the culture of the world yep. and distorted by the sexual revolutions. Spot on. He's nailing it, Jess. That, that's what we need to hear. Cardinal Raymond Burke and, and, and Cardinal Randmuller, Walter Mandmuller, yeah. mm-hmm. who signed an open letter on the eve of the summit denouncing the homosexual agenda widespread in the church and promoted by organized networks and promoted by a climate of complicity and silence were also in line with Pope Benedict. The same concept was also expressed by Cardinal Mueller on one on the occasion, unsurprisingly, given that all the reports published to date on abuse from the U.S. to France tell us that over 80% of abuse cases involved clergy are the result of homosexual behavior. Repeat with, that because, with, Jesse, with that... Post, with post, post-pubescent yeah, voice. Repeat theory. that because that is the key. These people who are for homosexuality in the church... Yes. And our abuse are telling Benedict you're wrong. When we realize the fact is, eighty percent of the abusers are involved in clergy are a result of homosexual behavior. So you can't have it both ways. With both with both post pubescent adult uh, yeah, uh, males, 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 yeah. yeah. 
The subject, however, was, was strictly kept away from the Vatican stomach as if to prove that the clergy, sexual abuse, and homosexuality are not related. Wrong. Yep. So it has happened that in the last three years, while, while on the one hand, there have been proclamations against abuse, on the other hand, there have been various conquests in the church by LGBT groups up to the events of these last weeks already mentioned at the beginning. And not only that, but it is now becoming increasingly clear that the synod on synodality will be the occasion to definitively legitimize the LGBT agenda in the church. It is therefore easy to understand how Benedict XVI, as well as those who follow his magisterium, is an obstacle as a person and as a judgment on the crisis of the church, and therefore they want to destroy him in order to allow the undisturbed triumph of the new rainbow church. It may seem paradoxical, but those who are trying to frame him on sexual abuse are precisely those who favor and promote it. That's the that last paragraph says it all, Jesse. That it says it all. And again, Jess, when we come back, I know you've got to run. I want to tell a simple story of a young man who called me yesterday regarding this kind of stuff in the church. He asked me, "What should we do?" And then, how do we survive this kind of corruption in the church as a Catholic? And we're going to talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we want to inspire you to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And when we come back, we're going to talk about just that. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out doing an interview, so I'm going to finish up the show. And I made a promise. How do we handle all this scandal in the church and stay faithful? How do we bring souls to Christ when some of our leaders are doing just the opposite, are trying to destroy the church from within? That's how I see it. Well, two things. I, I mentioned Bishop Joseph Strickland, who I do a show every Tuesday with. should listen to him because he says, you know, the world grows weary of Catholic leaders. He's talking about bishops who fail to guard the deposit of faith. That we, that's just what we did. He said, every bishop has made the same promise. Every bishop. A stumbling is, is a, I stumble in weakness, but daily my weakness is no excuse. All shepherds must seek to live up to the reality that they are successors of the apostles. Now, why do I say that? We need to pray for our leaders in the church. I mentioned earlier Every Thursday, this is the day dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. Why? On Holy Thursday, that's when the priesthood was initiated. So this is a great day to make reparation, expiation, and atonement for these sins of our clergy. And they are sins because when you don't preach the word of God to people, people are they're entitled to that. As a matter of fact, one of the great saints of the church St. Pope Felix III, back in 475, said this, and this is what I take all the time, not to oppose error is to approve it. So if we stay quiet, we're approving it. We're not going to stay quiet. And the St. Pope Felix III says, and not to defend the truth is to suppress it. If we don't defend the truth, we're suppressing it. So we speak out. Can you tell? And he says, and indeed, to neglect, to confound evil men, when we can do it, is no less a sin than to encourage them. Well, Pope Felix III, I take your words seriously. 
And I want everybody listening to say, look, I want to be part of the solution with my prayers and my sacrifices and my love for Jesus and his church. But remember, this uncertainty that we live right now in our church can serve as a reminder that all times, all events, remember this, fall under God's divine providence. Remember, nothing happens without at least God's permissive will. So he's, a, he's allowing this for a greater good. He'll allow it to occur. And we know that God only allows things to happen will ultimately work out for his greater glory and the good of his followers. Somehow, some way, he will triumph, bringing good out of evil. I don't know how he's going to do it. I might not even be alive when I see it. Maybe my kids' kids will. But it'll happen. In the meantime, we have our own role to play. You do, I do. Mom, kids, we're called to be faithful to him. Not, you know, not to the bishop in the sense of our faithfulness is to Jesus Christ. Right? And to preserve in good times and in bad. We are called to overcome temptations, to discouragement and despair, and to focus on accomplishing our purpose in life. See how we stay focused? These, these horrible things that are happening in the church, they happen. Let's stay focused on the salvation of our soul. To know, right, to love and serve God and thus save our immortal soul. Keep that at the top of your, your chain, at the top of the list. I'm here to save my soul, my loved, soul, my loved one's souls, my kids, my wife. At the beginning of any given day, we can sometimes feel overwhelmed. How about you? Yeah? With various tasks to accomplish or goals to meet. But, folks, in the final analysis, we only have one goal, to grow closer to God this day. Each of us is called to work for this goal according to his state in life, whether it's a priest, a religious, mother, father, student, retiree, anyone. We grow closer to God by accomplishing our daily tasks in union with him. We call, I want to do God's will today. And ultimately, for him offering up our joys, our sufferings, our hopes, and our fears to God who loves us more than we can imagine. Now, why do I say that? Because that's the solution to the evils in the world and evils in the church. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. That's my point. I'm actually putting a little book together on how to share your faith <laughs> in spite of scandal. Uh, remember I told you about some of the bishops I've run into? One was Bishop Barzubi, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. Let the perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. I hope he had a conversion because he died as an active homosexual with AIDS. That's sad. Now, most of these people who come up with all these new ideas in the church in the sense of contrary to the magisterial teachings but worldly ideas, they live a worldly life. It just fits when you have worldly views it affects how you live your life in a worldly way. So we need to pray for our leaders in our church, and that's our solution. Now, one, one day at a time, fulfill our duties in our state and life. Remember what Our Lady said in Fatima, that souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices? I'm asking you. I'm asking myself, my wife, my kids, make sacrifices for Holy Mother of the Church. Benedict XVI, back in 69, he said it. The church is going to get small. You know, we pack them in here at Sacred Heart Chapel. We have mass 
almost every day here now. People are coming by the droves to come in and worship because they're striving for spirituality. We're going to keep our doors open no matter if the government says to close it. You know what? I'll go to jail over that. Why? Because life is short and eternity is forever. I see the long term. And right now, we need more Catholics to stand up for Jesus. This is our Jesus moment where, you know, look around the world. And, you know, I, I always quote St. Augustine where he says, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. I'm angry. I should be. I have righteous anger to see people denying the perennial teachings of the church or the deposit of faith that are in the church. It's scandalous. But as St. Augustine said this, anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. So how do we arrange that they won't continue through our prayer life? That's number one. Yes, we have to speak out, as the Pope said, Pope Felix III, not to oppose errors, to approve it. Yeah, we have to speak up. No, don't worry about someone saying, oh, but you're religious, too religious. Hey, you know what? We have to speak up because when we are silent, we're acquiescing to evil. So I say, even if we have to pay a price for it, I'm going to tell you, Christ is going to ask, where are your wounds, Terry, in your lifetime for sticking up for Christ? When, how many times were you thrown out of, uh, of uh, churches because I spoke the truth of the faith? I saw this when I was a younger man where a priest, a priest friend of mine, Father Ron Tangen, was preaching the Fatima message up in upstate New York. And I was recording. And the Jesuits there were liberal. And they went up and said to me, tell them to stop doing that. And I'm like, I'm 20 years old. What am I going to I don't know. I'm, I'm just recording. They pulled the microphone down and told us to pack our bags. We're done. We don't want to hear the Fatima message. That was back in 1979. I'm an old guy. I've seen a lot in my 42 years of evangelization. I've been put in jail because I stood up for the unborn. Why? I'm not bragging. This is just the facts. I said, I'm wanting to stand up for Jesus Christ. And if I've got some wounds because I'm going to stand up for Jesus, I want to take them. Because as Fulton Sheen makes that point, where are your wounds at your exit interview? Oh, you mean you didn't want to get involved in the fight? Oh, you wanted to retire and play golf? Relax? And now it's your exit interview? Now I'm talking about the relax, the retirement people right now. Get involved. Make those daily holy hours. You got time. I know you do. Get to a church and pray. Silence. I did a show last week, earlier in the week on Monday, on Jesus 911, on the value of silence. That's how God's going to speak to us to handle this situation. But if we just, you know, say, oh, the heck with it, I'm done. Well, the devil won. Nope. He's not going to win here at Virgin Most Powerful because I promise you for, for four years now that we will continue to put out the truth of the Catholic faith, not personal opinions. Why do you think I got Bishop Strickland to join us because I said, who's the most outspoken bishop in America who gets in trouble for speaking out on teaching on the Catholic faith? It was easy. It's bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. I got on the phone and called him. He said, yes. I assume that that's God's will. So every week we teach from the catechism and his tweets about how people can fall in love with Jesus. He fits what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful. So don't lose hope. Put your trust in Jesus. 
Don't trust men, even in the church. They will always disappoint you. But I promise you, Jesus will never disappoint you. You will have tribulations in this world. That's what our Lord said. You have, but he says, I have overcome them. And how do we overcome all this fear? Trust in the Lord and say, Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, I trust in thee. And I want to add one more thing. May 7th, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, we're going to have a marriage and family conference all day. We'll have mass, rosary, confessions available. Really, on the May 7th, Dr. Sandoval gave a great conference last year on marriage. I'll be there with my wife, Mary Danielle. What are our sources? The Bible. Oh, what a novel idea. Why don't you try sociology? That's what they're trying to say in the church, some of these people. Throw the Bible out. Be a socialist. Be a sociologist. Look at the science. But we're forgetting that it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have our truth from, not from the world, the devil, and the flesh. So this marriage conference, just go to vmpr.org. You can sign up to come. And it'll be May 7th, all day Saturday. I'll have a beautiful Mass at the end, Confessions Before Mass. And I hope this would help you in your marriage vocation. Because I'm going to tell you, St. Lucia from the Fatima Girls, they said, she said the final battle will be with the family. And as St. John Paul II the Great said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So how do we keep a strong family? By telling them that they need to fall in love with Jesus. That's the answer in this spite of scandal. We need to have that relationship with Jesus so strong that we will fight for it. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a special show uh, giving you some more inspiration on following in love with Jesus. And I have something that I ask Jesse every week. Well, tomorrow's going to be fun. I've got to fill in for something. When I say, Jesse, what state should you be living in? Well, tomorrow you're going to hear somebody in the war. And I oh, it's great. Where these men are going to battle and they say something like, are you ready? I can't tell you. You're going to have to hear it tomorrow. That's a teaser, folks. I want to thank you for joining us. Dr. Sandoval is up next. Go to vmpr.org to get the download on your smartphone. You can listen to all the shows. So, Jesse, what state should we be living in? The state of grace. How do we do that? By going to confession at least once a month, at least, and more often if necessary, to stay in the state of grace because what else matters? You die in the state of mortal sin, you go to hell for all eternity. That's what the church teaches. You don't want to hear that? Sorry, it's the truth. And that's what sets us free. God bless you and full sheen ahead. <laughs>